Hi, this is Pastor Keith Joseph coming to you from First Baptist Church of Jackson, Georgia. Welcome to our weekly broadcast. We hope it speaks to you where you are in life. To learn more about our ministries, check us out at jacksonfbc.com. And so today, when we talk about embracing authentic, life-changing faith, I want to talk with you about the fact that when you get free in Christ, that Christ is going to do some things in your life that's going to elevate that walk if you're a Christian. But if you're not a Christian, we're thankful that you're starting to embrace or the, this thing called Christ, or you're at least exploring what it is because you, you want to know what it is. And so, so listen to this. Now, now, some of us, we don't handle grace in the right way, do we? we just, sometimes we just don't handle it in the right way. I want to give you there are four common responses that people give when either you tell them about grace or you're trying to help them through a moment of failure. Some people just are cold-hearted. you know that? Some people are cold-hearted. You, you admit that you're having a failure. You know what they'll say to you? Just suck it up. Am I right? They'll just say to you, they'll just kind of put you down. and They won't, they won't encourage you. They'll point out your sin. I, I, I love to avoid people that they always begin a conversation on the negative. I just love to be, I, I love to be not in their presence. I love to pray for them, but th some people have a cold response. Some people are cynical. When you talk to them about grace, they're like, ah, that doesn't work. I, I met someone this week. Ah, that, that, I don't believe in all that stuff, that Christianity business. It, it really doesn't work. My So-and-so in my family goes to church, and Brother Andy, we've heard this, they're a hypocrite. You ever, anybody ever said that to you? They just kind of, they're a hypocrite. And so they're cynical about it. But then there's others. I love these people. They're compassionate. Some people are just compassionate. I love compassionate people because compassionate people are those who will say this to you. You can make it. There are people that appoint you to faith and they'll, they'll lean into you. For instance, look with me in chapter 6 of Romans. Remember Paul said this in verses 12 through 14. Here's what he said. Let not sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will no longer have dominion over you since you're not under law, but you're under grace. You know what Paul's saying? You can make it. And I want to be compassionate with you today to tell you this. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you genuinely do. You will never be perfect until you get to heaven, but you can make it. And you need to be encouraged today. And if you're not a Christ follower today, you need to be encouraged that there's a loving God that came to save you when you were eight, before you even thought about needing Him. Jesus came to die for you. Then there's a last response. That's what I call the correct response. You can be compassionate to people, but still not be correct. You see, the true correct response is lovingly telling people what they need to know. And Paul's been doing that in the book of Romans. He said to us that we are sinners for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But when you receive Jesus in your life, he makes a propitiation payment for your sins. He brings you out of the slave of your sin. He redeems you. And then he declares you are justified before God. Well, remember, Jesus was raised up for our offenses. And then and he would be lifted up for our justification in Christ. So that's correct response. But as Paul begins to share with us in this text we're about to read, Paul is going to lean in harder to you and to say that if you will embrace this authentic life, no matter if you're cold, if you're cynical, no matter if you're just compassionate, he's going to give you the correct way that you can move forward. Now, here's what he says. Look with me in verse number 15 of Romans chapter 6. Here's what Paul says. What then? 
are we to sin because we're not under law, but under grace. Now watch what he says, by no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness? Now, Paul, over and over in Romans, is going to correct those who had the wrong view. Now, remember in the first part of chapter 6, Paul had, had used the illustration how that some people say when you get saved, you can just do whatever you want to, that you can send freedom. And Paul said, no, no, no. He's coming back here again and talking to those who would say, I am going to be right with God by keeping the law. I, I'm, I'm going to be a person that keeps the law, and, and, and now that, but and then others will say, but now I've received grace, and so there's no law for me, so I can do what I want to. And Paul says, that's not true. You cannot do that. You see, grace changes things. And when grace changes things, there's a process that you have to walk through. And, and, and this, write this down. There is a process of faith. There is a process of faith that you're called to embrace. And here's the problem. Some of us never walk the process. We've prayed a prayer. We've come to know Christ. I believe this, that some of you in this series and these weeks have, have been encouraged, but some of you have been just really convicted. And see, that's maybe you today, or that you are, or maybe you do have a relationship, but it's kind of like this. You, you prayed to receive Christ, but now you're so busy, you've forgotten the process. And what Paul says in all of chapter 6 is this. He says, do you not know? We know. Do you not know? We know. You see, the process begins with this. Write this down. You've got to believe with your mind. It begins in your mind. When he says here, do we know, do you not know, I want to ask you this, what do you believe in your mind? See, the toughest battle of your life may not be in your emotions, it may be in your mind. It may be what you believe, for instance, in Psalm 127 and 3, the Bible says this, do not eat the, 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 the bread of anxious toil. In other words, don't stay up all night in your mind and worry. And I want to tell you this, that salvation begins in your mind. Some people say this, preacher, now wait a minute i got to feel something to be saved. I remember of a person that so many times I shared the gospel with him, and but every time he'd say, Preacher, that's true, I believe it, but I, but I don't feel anything. You say, well, well, Preacher, isn't that the way it's supposed to be? No. Salvation is first a fact that you believe in your mind. And J.D. Greer says this, and the feelings will come. Any, am I telling you the truth? I mean, the, this morning at 5 o'clock or whenever I got up this morning, my bones aching a little bit. I didn't feel saved at all. I wasn't, I wasn't raising my hands praising the Lord while I was brushing my teeth this morning. Anybody else? I wasn't doing that. But it wasn't a feeling that moment. It was a fact. But boy, when I began to move and open God's Word with my mind... And Paul says here that, that, that you in your mind, in the book of Colossians in chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, if you have been raised with Christ, therefore set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father. You've got to get your mind in the game. This is, this is important. This is important for you. So let me ask you, is your mind in the game in the reality of Christ today? Because tomorrow, if it's not in, you, your mind will get caught up in other things. In the prayer room this morning, the men, the, the Holy Spirit fell in the prayer room. And, and somehow when Don was praying, everybody he named this morning, I started thinking about that person while he was praying. And I had to, had to do this because my mind was getting off of God and onto that person. I wonder what they're doing and what's going on. And I would start saying, God, would you redeem my mind? 
And I want to tell you, salvation begins in the mind. But secondly, Paul tells us this, that watch this, you act with your life. Salvation is not just a head knowledge, it is a heart and feet knowledge. And your walk with God, it's not just for salvation, it's your every day. You see, God's into our walk. And when, when, when Paul here says, in verse number 16, when he says, Do you not know whatever you present yourselves to? Now watch this. If I, if I am driving by a series of restaurants, listen to me. They're just restaurants until I stop. Then they become an eating place. But if, they, if I could drive by them, I, I could look at them and say, you know, that's a truck stop. Or I could say a lot of things. But it doesn't become personal till I pull over and go through Dairy Queen and get the blizzard, which I haven't had in a long time. With that, Then it becomes personal for me. I think that's for faith. Many of us stop one day a week. We stop one day a week and, and we sit down for an hour, and I'm glad you do. Listen, to, I'm thankful you do. It speaks something about you that there's a longing inside of you to do that. But, did it, but let me ask you, what will you do tomorrow? What will you do Tuesday? What will you do Tuesday night and Wednesday and, and, and Thursday throughout the whole week? Paul says here in the text that whatever you present yourself to, now think about this time, when you act upon something, that means this, that you believe it. That you've come to a position, but now watch this. You believe with your mind, you act with your life, but that, that's not enough. Some people do this. They say, I'm going to go to church now, and I'm going to clean up some things. You remember that, saying that in your own life? I'm going to clean up some things. And I see people all the time, who do they come, they clean up, they act a little bit different for a while. But I want to tell you this, unless this next part of the process comes, you will eventually bail right back out. You all know this. You've seen them come and go. Can I give an Amen. You, and you, you've known in your own life there have been seasons. You kind of get caught up in things. So when Paul says, whatever you present yourselves to, what's he saying? Watch the process. You, 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 you believe in your mind. You, 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 you act with your life. But thirdly, you act in surrender. There's a surrender to the Lordship of Christ. Uh, listen to this. Whatever you present yourselves to, in verse 16, you are slaves of what you obey. Here's what I find that happens with Keith Joseph. I don't know if you know him or not. But here's what happens with him. Sometimes things just pop up. Anybody else? He just kind of fail. I mean, for instance, every once in a while I can act childish at home. Anybody else? I'm the only one. There's some times that, that I can have an ungodly thought. And in that moment I'm like, why did that pop up in my life? Now listen to me, one, one author by the name of David Polson, who's a Christian counselor, he calls these secret idols. He said, I knew at some point this thing would get hard. That's because I love you. He lists four secret idols in, in one of his publications that Christians sometimes have that they don't know that they have. Can I just, I'm just going to read, read them to you. Number one idol is this. You might spot something in your life. Here's an idol, the idol of power. Some people love influence and recognition. They, they seek that through these things like money and status because those, listen to this, are, are how you get it. They have to have power. It's an idol. Others of us, it is control. Now, you say, preacher, don't talk about control. Well, I confess, it is my idol. It's the one that I strive and struggle with. Listen to this. Some people want everything to go according to their plan. You know anybody like that? Such people have this gods, they don't like uncertainty, and they have to have things happen on their terms and according to their timetable. The, th the third one is this, some of you have the, the idol of approval. 
Some people are craved to be accepted. You can't be happy unless certain other people are happy with you. They have to admire you. They have to desire you. So watch this. When you're criticized, it devastates you. Because you know, here's the thing. It's not that you don't know the right thing. It's because you can't do the right thing because you're always looking for approval. So, so no one ever really knows what you believe. It's, it's an idol. And then the last idol that he mentions is the idol pleasure. Some people that are addicted in their physical life, in their spiritual life, in their mental life, they are addicted to pleasure. Does anybody in this room really believe you have zero idols to battle with? Paul says, you know, watch this. This is why that you must in your life, with your mind and with your, your life, and with everything in you, surrender to God as being what? Slave of Him. Because if not, the idols that you battle with will overcome you. And you will go months and years, and if not decades, if you're blessed to live that long, thinking that you're, you're right where you need to be. Listen to me. Christianity is a warfare. It is a warfare where I am battling most of the time my old nature, Brother Mike, and not, and not, not the devil. The devil battles me all the time, but it's my old nature. And I've been around with many of you long enough to know this, that I could point out your idols. You say, preacher, please don't. And you know what you could do? You could point out mine. But here's what our responsibility is. If, listen to this, if in our mind we are praying together and studying God's Word, if we together in our life are pointing each other more to Christ and leaning into Christ and knocking out the idols from each other, you know what's going to happen? We're going to live a surrendered life of success. So when Paul writes again in verse 17, but thanks be to God, thanks be to God that you used to be a slave of sin, but you've become obedient from your heart. What? To the standard of teaching of which we were committed. And you've been set free. Is that true of your life? You ought to be amening right now. I've been set free by God. Not perfect, but progressing. So, preacher, how do I walk those steps? How do I walk that process? Well, it's simple. Here it is. I'm going to give you. Here's how you walk the process. Number one is this. You begin each day with the exercise of your mind. Every day, Paul says, get in God's Word. If you'll get in God's Word every day, it will exercise your mind. I want to tell you this. Facebook does not exercise your mind. It exercises your emotions. Can I get an amen? The news seldom exercises your mind. When I grew up, uh, when they would come on the, the broadcast, they were exercising your mind. They were presenting the news to you, not their opinion. You see, it's only God's Word that, watch this, that, that takes just like a knife and cuts into Miss Linda's heart. It's the Word of God that shines a light. It's the Word of God that, that says if you'll exercise and now watch your mind, you'll be ready. Now, I want to tell you this. Uh, by the grace of God, I, I get to preach and teach in so many venues, by the grace of God, that if I wasn't with God every day, I couldn't keep it together. And Brother Danny, sometimes, and listen to this, when I'm reading the daily devotion plan, it, it's been written four years ago, but it was for the very day of that moment in time that I needed it. Now watch this. That's what it is going to be with you. You, you, you. you were coming up to an argument at home, but God's Word kept you from it. 
you would have come up to a moment in your time or that you might have had an affair, but God's Word kept you from it. You were coming up to a major decision, but you didn't have to sweat over it because God had already given you the answer, and right there you go. You meet people who need the Lord. So instead of saying, boy, that's a nice dress, or that's a nice shirt, or I like that car, the Word of God has already got you there. But if you don't exercise your mind, I just want to encourage you. A dusty Bible gives indication of a person who's dusty in their faith. But a well-worn Bible gives evidence of a well-rounded child of God. But not only must you exercise your mind, number two, this, watch this, you've got to begin each new day, write this down, each new day with a fresh surrender of control. If you'll freshly consider control of your life to God every day, I, Brother Tony, I have to do it every day. You say, but preacher, are, are you not a man of God? Uh, can, can, you not, can you not do it? Well, well, Paul said in verse 17, you become obedient. To become obedient means that you listen with the purpose of learning. I have to, from sure, get my assignments every day. Can I get an amen? Because the, yesterday was good, but I, what, what's on the calendar for today? God alone knows that. And I want to tell you this, some of you, some of you just been resting. You found, you found, let me say, you found the sweet spot of faith. You know what sweet spot is, right? It's that spot where you just, right, right brother, it's that perfect spot. I, I love a sweet spot in my life and whatever I'm doing. It's a place where I'm comfortable. It's a place where I've settled in. It's a place where that I'm good. It's like we don't ever get to play, hardly ever do that anymore. But every once in a while with Xbox, I could wear John out in the NCAA football. It was my sweet spot. I know exactly what plays he's going to call. I know how silly he gets. I know how to frustrate him. It's my sweet spot. But boy, when we play NBA basketball, it's his sweet spot. And I couldn't beat him. I don't care if I had four people playing on. If LeBron James had the, uh, the controller, I'd mess it up. Listen to me, because we, we don't like it when we're out of our sweet spot. That's your faith. What's your sweet spot? What do you do every day? What, what, what is the thing? My sweet spot is this, to rise a long while before anybody else gets up and spend one to three hours with God in His Word, on my knees in prayer, because I have too much to do not to have ground that I've prayed over. Can I tell you this, that Paul is pleading with the Romans. He said, I'm so thankful that God set you free, but you've got to be free in your mind. And how do you get free? You exercise in the Word of God. You've got to be free with your feet. How do you do that? Is that you listen to me each day, you freshly surrender. God, I'm here again. I'm surrendering control of my life today. And then thirdly, you've got to do this. You've got to live each day with a servant's heart. You've got to have a servant's heart. You say, what do you mean? Well, look what he says in verse 19. He said, I'm speaking, Romans 6 and 19, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. He said, I'm going to have to speak. I can't use a spiritual illustration. You don't get it. So, but just as you once presented your life, your members, your body, the things of your life, as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Paul says here he's using this terminology of slavery not to, to, to embellish it or to say be a part of it, but he's drawing the analogy that a somebody that's presented themselves or they're owned by someone says, every day I am a servant in this way. So tomorrow, how different would your life be if you approached your work as the place where you get to serve God? 
How many marriages would be saved if both parts of the marriage would say, I'm here to serve God? At our, at our, married, excuse me, at our warrior conference this Friday night, I get to lead the breakout session on, on breaking free of the bondages and singleness. Do you know what? That God deals with you first as a single before he does as a married person. And there's some people that God has the call upon their life to be single. And he has that call upon their entire life. And he, sometimes when they lose their spouse, God calls them for the rest of their life to be single. And the, your greatest effectiveness in your life is when that you are singly a servant of God. So I want to say if you're single in this room, embrace it. Quit believing the devil's lie that you got to be married and you can't be happy apart from it. Embrace it today. If you're married, embrace that marriage for the glory of God. Embrace your job again for the glory of God. Quit living in the old way. You see, all of us in America are taught it's got to be better than what I have. But God says, no, when you were born, I fashioned you to lead this particular thing. Our drummer's birthday was yesterday. And I believe with all my heart that God fashioned him to, to lead, listen to me, in the outdoor equipment of our yards and all those things. And he functions wonderfully right there because every day he says, God, I want to serve you right here. And so, my brother, as you work for Home Depot, when you go into that place, you are a servant, not of them, but of God. Now, now, now watch what the Bible says here. There's so much more here, but I don't have time to pack it. Here's what it says in verse 20. The Bible says this, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Isn't that true? You never thought anything about God. There was no thought of Him. You weren't surrendered to Him. And other people going to church, you were sleeping in. Like, why in the world should I go to church? What's the sense in that? Uh, when other people are, are giving money in their tithe, you're spending yours on you. Why would you do that? When other people are going on mission trips, you're going to go on a trip yourself. Why, when other people are not cursing and not watching pornography, they're just missing out on a free life. Paul's not saying that. Paul's just saying there was a time in your life when you thought nothing of God. But notice in verse 21, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things which you are now ashamed? You see, Paul in Romans 1 said he was not ashamed of the gospel. In chapter 5, not ashamed that you and I have to be put to shame, Brother Sam, of believing in God. Now watch this. Either you're ashamed of God or you're ashamed of your past. Because if, 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 you, if you've never experienced either one or not experienced either one of them, friend, I would say this, you are lost. Because there are things in my past that God's removed and I'm free from them. But when I think about the fruit of that in community groups tonight and on Tuesday night, you'll deal with that issue of what, what kind of fruit of your life. So let me ask you, what is the fruit of your life? You say, preacher, I, I ain't ashamed of a thing. A guy one time told he said, I'm not ashamed of a thing. And I looked him in the eye and I said, sir, there'll be a day you stand before God. And if you don't straighten this out, you'll be ashamed. See, that's why people, John 3, 17 through 19, they sin at night. They, they have the lights down low because they don't really see the truth. But I want to tell you today that when you freshly surrender to God, Paul says this, when you look at your life and see the fruit, you won't be ashamed. There's, there, there'll, there'll be some folks in this next, next service, and one particular person I'm thinking about comes almost every week and is completely lost without God and have no desire for God. And they, they, they see the things that we're asked to do. I'd be ashamed to walk an aisle. I'd be ashamed to profess Christ. I'd be ashamed to, to do all these things. Why? It's because they're in their sweet spot and they're blind. And I want to tell you this today. Maybe you are watching online today or you, you'll watch sometime this week. And, and, and you may be thinking this. 
Why would I want to darken the door of a church? Can I tell you, it was in the church where I heard about Jesus. It's in the church where that God told me that I could be forgiven and cleansed and have a different life. And I want to tell you today that I'm far from perfect in my life, but I want to tell you this, when I get up in the morning and once I realize I'm saved, and I look in that mirror in the morning, I remember sometimes when the devil whispers to me what I used to be. But in that moment, the sweetness of God's Word gets down inside of my mind and down in my feet. And then when I freshly surrender to God, I'm going to tell you in that moment, I remember to the fruit that now I've been bearing for all these years. And I want to tell you this today, that's the victory that you can have in your life, and you should be embracing authentic faith. You say, preacher, what else does Paul say? Now notice in verse 22, he says, but now that you've been set free from sin, you've become slaves of God. The fruit you now get leads to sanctification and to its end, eternal life. Friend, look at this. Look back and rejoice that you're not who you used to be. Isn't that amazing? Look forward. Look forward to what you're going to be. I look forward to tomorrow morning. I don't dread the mornings. Some people do. I I, I love to jump out of bed, especially when my son sets my clock up 30 minutes ahead. That's a joke. That gives me 30 extra minutes. It was a shame on him. He meant it for evil, but God used it for good. Listen to this. God wants to use that in your life, everything in your life. If you get up 30 more minutes, you couldn't sleep. Praise the Lord. More time with Jesus. So, but preacher, I'm going to be mean today because I need to sleep. If I don't get to sleep, I'm mean. No, no, if you've been with Jesus, you can function with no sleep. Why? Because your mind is fresh with Him. Your feet are ready to do the work of God. And you surrender to that. Think about this fact that God releases His power into you. He releases His power into you so that you can summarize your life. You say, preacher, what if I, how could I summarize all I've heard? Well, look right here in the Word of God. When I was a boy, it was one of the first verses that my mama taught me to memorize. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When was the last time you told somebody about that? Say, now, preacher, I'm just too busy. And, oh, it gets in your mind. It, it, you know what? It's just going to slip out. If it gets in your feet, in your steps of your life, you just cannot, you cannot help but to be able to share that within you. So think about this, three, three takeaways. One is this, the life, now watch this, the, the, the life you now live has been opened your mind, you're leaning in, and you're becoming different. Let me say this to you. Let me say this to you. I'm right at the end. Let me say this to you, and I mean this with all my heart. If you're a born-again believer, now watch this, what characterized you at the beginning of your life no longer characterizes you now. Now let me go a little bit farther. Some of you say, preacher, that's exactly me. Well, praise God, you're saved. But let me ask you, what characterized you six months ago, does it still characterize you? The things of the world, I pray, as the songwriter said, will grow grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I want to progress. I want to be different tomorrow than I was today. Paul says, for the wages of my sin, I'm dying. But the free gift of God lets you, watch this, in your life, it's opened up in your mind. But secondly, look at this. The life you now live does have moments of failure. But watch this, the Spirit corrects you through the Word of God. One of the greatest things that I love is when God corrects me instead of my wife. When God corrects me instead of my accountability partner. 
When God corrects me instead of anybody else because I'm leaning in that close, you will fail. Hear me, you will fail. But don't let it characterize you and be your, your defining moment. Let the Word of God change you so that when you do sin in the moment, the Spirit of God just convicts you. Just convicts you and says, ah. But at the same time, the Spirit of God lifts you up. Now watch this, the life you now thirdly project to other people. The life you project to others is the life that leads them to embrace authentic life-changing faith. Don't you want them to project that? If you read chapter 18 in the, in the book, The Search, I, I shared a story about Sherry, that Sherry and I met an individual that we love to this day. They, they sat on our couch and we shared with them of this same message that you've heard today. This individual grew up in a church, was involved extremely, extremely in the church, but at, at the age of about 17, they, they just kind of started going the wrong way. Knew the Lord, they said, with all their heart, and then the next three decades just kind of like that with this individual. And I can remember as, they, as I looked at them, they looked at me, my heart went out. I, th this person's so lovely just to be around. But that person had such an addiction in their life that grace was not changing them. A graceless life had them in chains. We pleaded with them. We counseled with them, this one individual. And they said, oh, yes, they started, started getting back in church and were there for a while. But then that same old process started back. Next thing, it was every third week, every fourth week, every fifth week. And then we didn't see them. Three years passed, and we saw that same person again. And I want to tell you, the pain and the pollution of sin had robbed this person even of the physical beauty of their life. You see, you can hold it together for a while, but eventually, what you don't conquer will conquer you. Paul says that we have this authentic faith that if with our mind and with our feet and with our heart and surrender, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. To learn more about our ministries, check us out at jacksonfbc.com.